starting the recording and I am going to attempt to bitch as little as possible despite my current mental landscape. It's fine. Listen, I'll go for you, a run after this. <laughs> you, you bitch as much as you want. Um, <laughs> to Elena Smith and all of the fans out there, here's my disclaimer. I am in a bad mood. My These views expressed in this podcast do not reflect my views normally. <laughs> I, oh. on the other hand, am just <laughs> sour all around. <laughs> okay. You are listening to Edicts on Edicts, a podcast about Emily Dickinson. Guess what? She fucks again. Yay! <laughs> she does it. I'm so happy. There I'm was so happy for her. in this one. It's a very good I mean, sex I, scene. I was like, it, it is. This and, is good. <laughs> and also, like, I feel like the whole season's been building up the tension. So, oh yeah, this is episode nine of season three of Dickinson yeah, on yeah. Apple TV Plus. And what's the name of the episode? This is "Grief Is a Mouse," written by Ken Greller and directed by Laura Taruso. This is this is the penultimate episode. Penultimate episode of the whole show. And I'm going to say this functions as like a traditional finale for the extra characters of the show. And by extra, I mean extra. <laughs> uh, it is kind of... I am trying to be positive. Of, Move on. Yeah. So like... No, no, you're right. This episode kind of is a finale. Mm. Um, it it ties off a few different storylines. And in fact, dare I say, ties them off quite abruptly in, <gasps> really? in some cases. I think so, oh, yeah. I'm surprised. Oh, yes, wait, I think I know what you're principle. talking about. I think I know what you're talking about. And yeah, kind of. <laughs> it, it, it does resolve some things. Austin? Um, Are you talking about Austin? <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. Yeah. Um, it's like, oh, okay. I was reflecting while I was watching it on just how far the show has come and how oh different things are in this episode for all the characters. And again, it's like we see a lot of the Amherstians, as we've called them. Minus Jane the Widow, who is in Vietnam. Minus Jane the Widow, yeah. Who's being politically incorrect on the other <laughs> side of the uh, globe. And I think this episode kind of encapsulates that kind of end of young adulthood yes yeah well they talk about like inheriting a world that is very different from their parents and it is like yeah you are growing up now like you are the adults in the room yeah and and it's and it is kind of the feeling that mr and mrs dickinson now are kind of like getting into their mm. golden years and really the the movers and shakers mm-hmm. are Emily's generation you know yes um, and they are the middle generation yeah they uh, are you figure so, I don't quite know how old Emily is in the context of the show I feel like they're a bit flexible with that but she in real life would have been like 32 so she is still a young adult but like entering the tail end of that and I, I kind of resonated with that I mean mm-hmm. I'm coming towards the end of my 20s now and I the middle generation in my family like there's Mm -hmm. I have a lovely little niece and yeah I relate to that and the the Mm -hmm. issues of managing your adult responsibilities and the again like I don't know whether it's a deliberate theme but like the outcomes of the choices you make and I said before that I feel like uh, in this season they're often struggling to make peace with the outcomes of their choices that they yeah. made in earlier seasons. Yeah. And I think this episode kind of shows that even though they maybe haven't got everything they wanted, they've made peace with the main, the three of, main like, reconciliation. Yeah. Yeah. They've kind of made peace with their choices and, and have found a way to live with their circumstances, which I think is all you can really do at the end mm-hmm. of the day. Well, so yeah. what happens in this episode? Do you oh, want right. to, you got a we summary start for us? with uh, Mr. Dickinson in a carriage going to Boston with Mr. Conkey, and he is going to give a speech for the Republicans. He decides he doesn't want to do that. He doesn't want to get involved in politics again, and Mr. Conkey just kicks him out of the carriage. Done. 
Uh, Emily holds a meeting of the siblings, which I thought was quite funny, um, where she discusses the issues uh, from the previous episode where her father is going to give her and Lavinia over to Austin, complete ownership. And she's like, can we please just not perpetuate the systems that our parents built just because. Then Emily continues to resolve all of the Dickinson family plot lines by going into Mrs. Dickinson, jostling her, and getting her out of bed to sweep up the house. Oh, and there's also, you know, the soul of her sister embodied in the form of a mouse. Like, Which that's she not... kisses. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> I was like, how many Lysol wipes did they have to have for Jane Krakowski? <laughs> She's just like, Bleh! Yeah, and that's how things like HIV happen. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Ooh. All right, uh, George, George, this is going to be a complete train wreck of an episode. I'm really glad the wheels are coming off so close to the end. All <laughs> like, oh, right. Uh, sorry, uh, so yes, George. George, George has been drafted. Uh, Austin owns up to sending someone in his place which the whole family seems real accepting of. Then the black soldiers have a moment to celebrate their victory. And Higginson decides he's going to take a sabbatical and go up to Uh. Amherst. And I was just like, God, this character. (sighs) He says the one, anyway, I'll, he says the line, I'm a reformer, not a conformer. And I was just like, I, Oh. is this what i sound like is this is this who i am <laughs> god emily goes to the evergreens pushes sue up against a wall and is very handsy with her and i was just like i remember human touch that seems that seems like a nice thing to experience that looks cool i'd like that someday um the amherstians dance around Betty takes in Mr. Dickinson, Lavinia discusses her latest performance art, and Emily reads a poem and gets cunnilingus from Sue to the strains of Taylor Swift. Well, not technically to the strains of Taylor Swift, like she comes afterwards, but yeah. That was very well summarized. Thank you very much for that. Yeah, so I'm just going to come right out the gate and say that I both liked and disliked this episode. That's kind of what I figured. I was, the first time I watched it, I really loved the episode. Uh, I cried when she read the poem to the group. It's like, oh, this is gorgeous. Um, And it felt like she had, you know, ascended to Emily-dom, you know? Yeah. Like she had become the Emily of our, you know, minds. And then other parts of it, I was just like, oh, okay. Basically everything with, I don't know, Mr. Dickinson. And anyway, we can go on. Yeah, what are your thoughts? So I think that I liked the ending of the subplots, basically, Mm, for the most part. The first thing that I really didn't like in the episode was the sibling summit. I, d- I did uh, laugh at Lavinia being totally fine with things. <laughs> She's like, yeah, that's just what happens. Yeah. And <laughs> I, I thought that was quite funny because at first you can tell Lavinia is like outraged, but then she's like, oh, well, actually, that's, that's just like... Uh, that's that's society. As, as we would say, par for the course. Oh, Lavinia. And I like the little hand gesture where Emily's like, a sibling summit, if you will, and Lavinia's like, I will. I will. <laughs> <laughs> Again, he's funny. <laughs> I mean, Anna Baryshnikov, I think, mm. has been the understated gem oh, yeah. of the show for me. Like, I I hope that I will see her in other shows Absolutely. going forwards. Because she's just really funny and... Like, even as and, we're reaching the end of the show, I was reflecting on season one and I was like, Lavinia was definitely, like, I still find season one quite uneven, but Lavinia is the best part of season one. So throughout the whole show, I have been like, she's great. Yeah, she is. And she yeah. always kind of is consistent as well. And yeah, I, I would have been interesting to mm. see her play Emily and see, well, I wonder if the sisters switched places, like the actresses switched places. I wonder what that would have been like. Interesting. I feel like she has a wild energy that wouldn't have 
translated quite as well to to Emily, but maybe you you just <laughs> are trying to find ways to push Haley Steinfeld out of this role for some reason. Yeah, I mean, I have to say, wow, I have to say that yeah. I I like Haley Steinfeld generally. Mm. I don't like her as Emily Dickinson. Wow, interesting. Because I, I really liked this performance. Because <gasps> I was looking back on it and mm. looking over the whole show, mm. and I was like, I just never really bought Haley as Emily. Interesting, interesting. At any point. Wow. Really. I don't know. I can't articulate it very well. She just doesn't capture the right energy for me. Interesting, because I feel like if I were to trace the arc of the show, like, I see now that she is the one, like, pulling it all together. I don't always agree with some of the choices, especially in season one, which was, like, a tough one to get through, because it just felt so, like, I understand that it was purposefully immature, but it felt like the show itself had some growing pains to go through before it could, like get there um, yeah yeah but yeah anyway all this to say like in retrospect I think that performance works for me building to this moment where she reads the poem but like yeah I haven't always agreed with every creative choice it's a tough one I think I do so I do think that Haley has a number of amazing individual mm. scenes and performances throughout the show Mm-hmm. which are really, really good. And also I feel like the rest of the cast, the supporting cast and things are are also really amazing. And in this episode, one of the lovely things is that you get to see the kind of whole gang yeah. come together in a more peaceful, celebratory mm-hmm. way. I, I guess what I didn't like about the Sibling Summit is it felt that all of the disagreements and and difficulties they've been having over the last season they kind of resolve just, just because Emily's yeah. yeah just because Emily's like like I think it's I think it's believable that you could start to improve things from that sure. kind of position yes like Emily coming forward and saying I was wrong you were right mm-hmm. you know these are all the bits and bits and pieces and you know yeah. let's try and put it back together again but I just didn't buy it and then also like the whole negotiating like oh negotiating for us to have our emancipation essentially yes and then austin (laughs) just agreeing i did i did make the note like yeah i was like emily get this in writing like come on have you learned nothing from handing all of your poems to sam bowles get this in writing (laughs) but also like the idea that they just like had a quick conversation around the back of the barn and then <laughs> that decided the trajectory of the rest of their lives. Like, I just don't, it's so inorganic and it just didn't seem yeah. real to me. And like, I mean, um, I'm on board team. We have two episodes to go and we kind of just need to wrap this stuff up. So I'm like, okay, whatever. Yeah, but they should have anticipated, like when they were writing it, they should have anticipated that. I'm just too picky. I'm like, no, I need prolonged negotiations between the siblings. Well, I'm just waiting for the reunion season now with the Mabel Loomis Todd drama happening. That would be awful. The true death Um, knell of the Dickinson siblings. (laughs) Who could um, channel the wild opportunistic energy of Mabel Loomis Todd. <laughs> uh, that would be really interesting to see. Yeah. They would get we should to do come that. up with some dream casting for that. Like... <laughs> I liked the stuff with Mr. Dickinson, actually. Really? I'd, I because feel like opening... his about face is, I just, I don't know. Okay, go on, go on. First of all, like Mr. Conkey's angry outburst at Mr. Dickinson in the carriage mirrors Emily's mm. words to Mr. Dickinson, right? So Emily That's accuses true. Mr. Dickinson of being uh, not like being a disappointment because he's just going to do what society expects, blah, 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 which she's correct. Like she's not wrong when yeah. she says that. But then Mr. Conkey accuses Mr. Dickinson of the exact opposite mm-hmm. in that he says, you know, you're too out there you don't you're not a true republican 
you know. I did laugh at the line of the Republicans being on the right side of history because, ha. Wow. They're fascists. Um, Move on. (laughs) But what I find really interesting about that is, and, and it made me reflect, and I was like, Austin says that Mr. Dickinson is is like bad and and mm. and things like that. And there were moments when Mr. Dickinson was clearly abusive. Yes. But actually, like there are other moments where Mr. Dickinson seemed like a fairly good parent in his own way throughout the show. And he does have a lot of affection for Emily. It's just that he's of an older generation with a different set of values, you know? And is it the case that actually sometimes children are too hard, judge their parents too harshly? I don't know. But I, I mean, that's one of yeah. the things I was reflecting on. By the standards of his own generation, Mr. Dickinson clearly is not good enough and is too liberal. Um, is he, though? Because, like, he's liberal in some ways, I guess, like, or at least indulgent to his family. But, like, again, the abolition thing, he's been quite mealy mouthed throughout the show and like his politics have aligned with that so it is just sort of like he's liberal in some it's like he's a human he's liberal in some ways and conservative or you know being neutral on abolition is like i don't know i have a hard time moving past that one i think the thing that the primary Mm. way in which mr and mrs dickinson have failed is in their neglect more than in the things they have done it's the things they haven't done yeah like they they fail to recognize they fail to recognize austin's struggle struggling with his marriage initially Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. they fail to recognize emily's talent and genius yeah uh, and don't nurture it in the way that they could have done yeah if they had kind of caught onto it a bit earlier Mm -hmm. Uh, and they fail to recognize the fact that lavinia is lonely and basically forgotten yeah that's by true. everyone that's and true. like they don't act on any of those things that's kind of i think the way that they have mo- been most irresponsible as parents maybe i mean this might be too much for the podcast but like i was reflecting on the fact that like my parents when i was growing up did give me a lot of like freedom to pursue things mm where it was like, you want to try like a an instrument, go for it. You want to like try writing, go for it, like do it. Um, but they never really engaged on any deep level. Like we never talked about it. We never, you know, and I always recently have been like frustrated with that. And so I was just reflecting on that and was mildly bitter, but also like they gave me that freedom and that's nice, but I wish we had, you know, occasionally sat at the dinner table and like talked about artsy things i think Uh, i mean so for me mm. similarly like i would say my parents did a number of very good things for me like Mm -hmm. they always supported me materially like i was quite spoiled in many ways growing up me too and i i had immense amounts of freedom like my parents didn't mind where I went or what I did or who Mm. I spent my time with they would never chase me up about things like homework or or anything like that but the flip side of that is that they were often immensely neglectful yeah like my dad was at work most of the time and then when he wasn't at work he didn't want to talk to anyone or engage Mm. with us at all Mm. And then mum was profoundly depressed. So she just didn't function. And so the result was that I feel very much that I basically grew up alone to Mm -hmm. a large extent. Oh, yeah. And raised myself. Like, no one taught me to tie my shoelaces or, or like, do basic things, you know. And I think this is something, because then when I was doing social work and stuff mm. and and had to learn actively learn about forms of abuse mm-hmm. um and you 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 know the reality is is that neglect is a form of abuse that's true i mean but the thing is nobody gets it right, right? no but i think no one gets I, it I'm right not, i'm not I'm letting just... them off the hook like i'm not saying no, like, no, and it's and fine I, but this is the thing like this is what i'm saying about mr dickinson which is like 
is he is he really actively abusive or is he just I mean yes he slaps her and it's insinuated that he has done it many times so yes he is abusive mm. like yeah but I I I guess the point I'm making though is like where Austin has these kind of deep enmity with his father mm. I just don't really see I think the crime of Mr Dickinson is that he sees his children as extensions of his own ego and yes and and that's that's where the real root of the problem lies like but it it is interesting because it is like he does see them as extensions of his ego and yet he is so concerned with his legacy being his writings and his works and like these sorts of things so they're both things that he has created that he cares about but also won't engage with on a meaningful level or as like actual individuals yeah and and i think and then the and then the other parent mrs dickinson uh as she has clearly said i think i think it was in season two or something but she regrets having children uh season one yeah (laughs) season one fakes being sick yeah 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 so fundamentally like she she never wanted to be in the position she's in no i feel like a lot of I, and again, like she in this episode talks about like missing her sister and wishing she hadn't left so quickly. Um, yeah, and I think and like can... the hard thing to realize is that like no matter which choice you make, you'll always like grieve the life you didn't have. Yeah, like if she had stayed with her family, I'm sure she would have been like, "Oh, I should have gone with that guy from the chemistry talk." There's no escaping that, is is there? I think there is. I, I think is I talked with I talked with my grandmother about this because mm. um, one day my grandma and I were like sat having a chat as you do, looking at old like we. My my grandmother has kept has done extensive research into the family history, and it's kind oh, of cool. a, a passion project of hers. And she was talking about her life, and she said, "Oh, you know, just before I started dating your grandfather, um, I was proposed to by a." another another man that I liked and he wanted me to marry him and go to South America as a missionary and mm. be a missionary's wife and she was like sometimes I wonder what, what that would have been like um <laughs> and I was like do you like regret not making that choice and doing that and she was like oh there's no point regretting things in life that's true. and she actually and she actually used a poem um Ooh. to reflect on that what was it the path less traveled oh the the frost poem yeah exactly. yeah yeah, yeah. The road two roads diverged in a yellow wood yeah um and she literally told me that poem and that's mm. and she was like you can't you can't look back mm. and doubt she's like there's no such i think her words were there's no such thing as bad choices just choices and consequences that's true that's true that's very true. Um, like we've got this life. There are no bad choices or good choices. There are just choices and consequences. And I think I'm being a bit of an Orpheus in my constant turning around. And I just sort of need to go, you know? Anyway, that's yes. me. Uh, this is not therapy. I, this is a podcast about Emily Dickinson. I did. Um, I did. I did like that the three siblings kind of make peace, though, and mm. and, and restore their relationship and have have an agreement. Yeah, yeah. And I think it does set up Emily for her future life and yes. Lavinia for hers as well. In that, you can see that the writers are trying to kind of explain how. Emily and Lavinia went on to live yeah. such unencumbered um Lies. not unencumbered but like, but like unencumbered and and what's the word Uncar- uh, avant-garde uh, um uh, atypical I don't know atypical, <laughs> that's not, yeah, that's unconstrained not a, yes 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 I was like not the best word but it'll get the job done because in reality it's I think what's you know the reality of like the real life Emily and Lavinia is that mm their brother could have made greater efforts to marry them off. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, and while he probably could not have compelled them to get married, he could have made life for them very difficult if 
mm. he had wanted to, you yeah. know. Um, but Austin, the real Austin Dickinson, didn't really seem to do that, though. Like, he was content that the two of them should live and care for the parents in the house they grew up in and should have their own space and mm. decide for themselves whether they wanted to marry or not. And in case you were wondering, Lavinia did, in fact, own a fox. I guess the fox's name was Gambler. Really? Yes. <laughs> I can't imagine having a pet fox. Yeah, when I was on Instagram, there was like a person who I followed who had a pet fox. And I was like, ooh, that looks fun. And then as I thought about it more, I was like, foxes are actually quite stinky um, and take a, a also lot quite dangerous. of Yes, yes, like yes. we had a sidebar, but we had a case like a few years ago, I think like um, in the countryside, sadly a woman left her back door open and the fox came in and killed the baby in the crib. Mm, yeah, this happens. And like, and you think like, oh, that sounds like a fairy tale or something. But the reality is, is like in winter, a hungry fox. They do what they do. I, I did oh, like the scene. I liked that they have that. Mm. that have that like reconciliation mm, mm. um and i i sort of liked the scene as well with emily going up to mrs dickinson i think this is my like, favorite scene in the episode until the ending i like the idea that <laughs> emily has spent the whole season being like that bird is the spirit of my aunt and then mrs dickinson's like your aunt hated birds <laughs> <laughs> emily it's just a bird <laughs> like, <laughs> real hope is this mouse <laughs> this, she's like but then mrs dickinson's like that's my sister she has exactly the right vibe she's exactly the right vibe this is like mouse it is a cute mouse i was like i do like this mouse fun fact i did read that jane krakowski actually hates mice <laughs> well good on her then for recording that scene. what acting yeah that's um, that's acting people <laughs> yeah like i could not i hate spiders and i could not hold a spider even mm. for money like yeah i don't think i could do a snake i did ugh, hate snakes what i find quite funny and this is something again like sometimes with the whole show i mm. can't tell if it's if it's in earnest or not um and i sometimes think that maybe it's kind of parodying that very kind of West Coast Californian, oh, like New Age, yeah, one hundred percent, yes. Like, like uh, but sometimes I can't tell if it's uh, if it's tongue in cheek or whether it's like the writers actually think people speak like that. Well, I'm thinking of like more specifically the spa episode where the entire thing is just taking the piss out of like New Agey, like where's my crystal, like things like that. Like it's clear that that is a joke on those people. So I imagine that like that Mrs. Dickinson saying that the mouse has the exact vibe of her dead sister is a joke. Is that what you're referring to? Yeah, but also like sometimes like, the way the characters speak, I'm, I'm just like, are they, is that how people really speak or not? I don't know. I guess we're not. I think America. maybe it's like a, yeah, yeah, I think it might be like a cultural dissonance kind of thing. Sure. Um, I mean, but just like I, I sometimes don't really understand. To go to the like sibling they, scene, like they make the commentary about how Emily is speaking very oddly. And she even has a line where she's like, he's been perpetuating social expectations and norms. In other words, he's been a real asshole, which I feel like encapsulates the show's vibe. Yeah, exactly. Like it's also, I. This is, okay, so that is. That, <laughs> no, that, I brought that it line, back. I brought it back. No, no, that line, that line encapsulates what I was trying to articulate about the whole Mr. Dickinson thing. Yeah. Which is Emily saying, "Oh, he's he's perpetuating social norms." Yeah. In other words, he's an asshole. Yeah. But surely, perpetuating social norms alone can't make someone an asshole, right? Like, mm, depends on the norms. Well, I suppose, but but the whole, but for for the point the point of social norms for the most part is mm -hmm. that they are what is mutually mutually agreed by unspoken social contract like like for most people in life sticking to the norms 
is just what they do. Like, oh God, I am Emily Dickinson because I'm just like, I again, I look at the world right now and I'm like, we went through a pandemic and our response to it was just keep working. It's fine. Don't think too hard. Like, d- just keep working. But that's what most people are like. And that's like, insane. I, it's insane. It is insane, but it's, it is completely it is how most people insane. Think. And I think, like, pardon my sanity in a world insane. <laughs> well, anyway, I think <laughs> Emily maybe, like, I think she has perfectly legitimate things to be angry with her father about. The yes. idea that he's perpetuating the social norms of his time period, maybe is not. Maybe not one of them. Maybe not one of them. Um, anyway, so it's good that those kind of issues with the family are yeah, tied, tied up, up. And Mrs. yeah and mrs dickinson gets out of bed and the scene is genuinely very funny um, get the broom. yeah yeah moving on george and the draft and austin's owning up to being a draft dodger yeah like this was, this a was really odd this was this was my like oh we're all just cool with this like yeah like no one seemed particularly bothered yeah that he that he had done this and he's like oh i'm so ashamed but then everyone's just like ah whatever cool like i get it on one hand because yes there are many many ways to be a man and there are many many ways to like contribute to the good of society totally Mm -hmm. on board yes my issue was like he also maybe sent a man off to die yeah exactly and that's the thing that's not saying i agree with like the draft i don't but it is just like a trickier grayer ground than the show gave it space for yeah because like essentially he used his wealth and privilege to to avoid the law yes and someone else had to then pay the potentially pay the price for that right Um, And his way of, I guess, like, we still don't have resolution. No, like, the show doesn't really comment on the fact that he did that. Right. Really. I mean, a little bit. Yeah, yeah, but, like, it's very, like... Oh, yeah, fully on board. Oh, I feel so bad. Do enough. Yeah. Like, they needed to explore that. Like, I wish someone could have been upset like it just felt so pat and I I mean like George isn't going to be upset and I guess Sue is fine Sue has purged herself of internalized patriarchy at record speed good for you Sue yeah I so just, like Sue's character is yeah. I feel I think this is the other thing which is like the for the sake of the, the char- character development yeah. seems to take a back seat sometimes to the sake of the plot I mean, and this is where i feel that the, yeah the nature of is, <laughs> the yeah medium. i think that yes and this is where i think like the half hour kind of soap opera format didn't quite work for me like i think that longer episodes with more space for the characters to breathe yeah as always, have... my main commentary is Elena Smith, do more work. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Um, uh... <laughs> but no, like, because, like, Sue in season two uh, is going through this process of, like, grief mm. coupled with materialistic denial of yes. her feelings, feelings. Yeah, and, yeah, like, yeah. all this stuff. And, and then for this season... It's almost like they were like, we'll throw all of that out the window. Yeah. She's just had a baby mm. and she's got an entirely new personality transplant with it. Kind of, yeah. It was like, she's fine with things, but also not fine with things, but also wants Emily to be her wife, but also is extremely judgmental of Austin's attempts to help with the baby. Yeah, it's it's very inconsistent. So I felt that Sue's char- character wasn't really done much justice with season three. Yeah, considering she's like the big bad of season two in a way, and like yeah. it works. Yeah, this is this is one where I just didn't totally get. I think the and Sue also, Emily like, where... relationship makes sense for me in this season, but the Sue Austin relationship confuses the fuck out of me. <laughs> yeah I think this is the part where like because I genuinely thought going into season three that it would be a lot more tightly focused on Sue Emily and Austin 
Yeah. And I and I believed that the season would get to the point where it was about resolving the tensions in their family. Of those three. Of those three. And yeah. like and that some conclusion would come about from that. Mm. And in a way they do do that. But in another sense, like we never really find out like, is Austin just okay with this setup now? I guess and, like, it's implied that he is um, because I mean, to go to the ending, like he gets to hold the baby while his wife fucks his sister in the next room. Yeah. Like that's just so it's yeah. So it's, I don't, there is something that's what I mean by like this episode ties up it ties up a lot of the um plot lines that were introduced this season yes but it feels like it doesn't tie up a lot of Mm. the theme and ideas set up in the prior two seasons yeah I mean we Um, do have one more episode so we we do, um, but I have maybe been naughty and watched that already. Oh my goodness. What a surprise. <laughs> I am shocked, shocked to find gambling <laughs> in Casablanca. <laughs> and like, I yeah, so to look ahead a little bit, but I, I, I think this episode needed to do, I don't know. Yeah. It's similar yeah. to, did you watch Girls? You do not have to watch Girls. People don't watch Girls. But I haven't girls... watched Girls, but don't yeah. they have two finale episodes? Yeah, Girls is structured very similarly to this, where it is like the penultimate episode serves as like the finale of the the main plot of the show, as much as Girls had a main plot. And then like the last episode is sort of this like denouement of what happens next. Right. Uh, which is like Dickinson is structured very similarly so yeah i mean that's kind of what because this episode kind of is a finale and then the next episode yeah. is kind of looking to the future exactly um and so yeah that's an app, that's a apt comparison yeah so um, that yeah that is what it is i i fully agree with like sue's character kind of being all over the place this season parts of it worked parts of it definitely didn't yeah like it's very and also the other thing I would say is that in season one Mm. Sue seems to have genuine affection for Austin and I felt much more that though Sue was definitely in love with Emily she was also kind of in love with Austin in a different way and then that just seems to have also kind of gone out the window as time has gone on I sort of see that making sense in the wake of like season two and like not discussing her miscarriage and not divulging her affair and like communication (laughs) breakdowns happened all over the place in that marriage and she was in a mode of self-destruction so like I can see that love of season one not being rekindled in the wake of those decisions Um, yeah and I suppose that's yeah, but I guess I just, to say I agree, like, I think Sue doesn't really. Although yeah. Sue had some lovely moments in this episode, like... Um, oh, the, yeah. They, like, they have the party, don't they? Um, so good. And I love, I think that was my favourite scene. Oh, uh, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. With, the, with not only, like, Emily comes in and, and kind of re-establishes this physical relationship with Sue um, mm. that she's been avoiding real handsy again i'm just like someday someday someone will put me against a wall (laughs) i hate that trope though i don't care i want it it. (laughs) you get it in japanese shows all the time Uh, (laughs) where the where the high school kids like pushing the girl against the wall uh, and like and she's like no please and then he's like you like me really and then she's like yeah i do oh well i don't like that i was like that's yucky uh, <laughs> yeah it's only like a narrow line though isn't it between i'm anyway. just like push me against a wall boys i am <laughs> free and single and ready to mingle um the so like i liked that heating the call push me have... against the wall sorry <laughs> oh my god you are so I, horny what I is am, wrong with you i am so horny <laughs> <sighs> Uh, okay. Um, 
it's all right. I'll send you my erotic like writing later, and you can yes do what you want with it. <laughs> um, the I'm leaving that in for sure. Uh... <laughs> No, I don't want people to know that to, I'm right, erotica. To, to our mainly, presumably queer women audience. If you're into, like, <laughs> werewolves yeah. that are also <laughs> police officers and and you like your romance with a dash of occult murder, then, mm. yeah. Mm. Mm. Um, Meanwhile, I am writing my queer Victorian thief prison break erotica. Um, <laughs> and... <laughs> I think maybe for we some should reason, just like yeah for some reason I it works just, out for the women and doesn't work out for the men in that one I don't know why <laughs> I think we need to like bring them together and have <laughs> a werewolf who is a Victorian police officer yes. investigating the Jack the Ripper murders and it Ooh. turns out that Jack the Ripper was this, like this Alan is Finn. the fourth season of Penny Dreadful that uh, we never knew we needed, and by never knew we needed, I mean we definitely needed because that show was done dirty. Um, I would also watch that version of From Hell, where Jack the Ripper is actually a lesbian and not at all involved with the Masons or whatever the fuck happened there. <laughs> uh, oh yes, From Hell. Ah uh, yes. Yeah. Nebulous. Nebulous. The movie Horrific. very bad. Why? Why was Heather Graham trying to be a Cockney prostitute? <laughs> She can do many things. Accents are you not one of that. them. Like, Heather. Um, this party uh, scene. With, yes. Uh, well, I just want to say so that. Horny. I thought it was really well done. It was really fun, like, yeah. them dancing and, like, kind of interacting. And I loved that there were these moments where um, Sue especially looked very happy. And yeah. um, we had this cute moment where she sat next to Emily and Emily, like, reaches out and touches her her arm and Sue looks oh, at Emily and it's like so good. and it's like oh she loves she does love me but also yeah. just like the idea of this celebration of friendship and and life and stuff in mm. the even in the face of this civil war the civil war yeah. yeah and I love the idea of like Emily charging into a room spitting some Shakespeare and just like commanding it because like the image of her is, you know, meek and mild, and it's just lovely to have her be like, ah, of course she has this like larger than life presence. And also, it's like a throwback to the Shakespeare episode in season yes. one. Yes, yes, yes. Because um, that's the same it. gang. It is. Which I had to look it up, and I guess that line is from Antony and Cleopatra, a Shakespeare play I do not know. Oh, do you know what? I don't know Anthony and Cleopatra. Yeah, either. I was like, I don't know that one at all. The histories get neglected a lot, I think. They do. I was like, I feel like I've only seen Julius Caesar for sure. Um, which I guess, is that a history or is that a tragedy? What's the line between the two? Because I know like the 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 British ones are obviously the histories. Yeah, because seen... Anthony and Cleopatra kind of goes across the line all, yeah yeah straddles the world like a colossus yes <laughs> nailed it so yeah so it says straddle me baby like a colossus the ones so that like, horny sorry <laughs> oh my god i'm trying to talk about shakespeare will you shut the fuck up okay so very excited to release that... this to the world <laughs> Shakespeare's histories include Henry the Fourth, parts one, two, and three, mm. Richard the Third, Henry the Fifth, and then it says that there are some that are included that are all, that can also be included that are also tragedies. Mm. So that would be Macbeth, King Lear, Coriolanus, Julius Caesar, and Antony and Cleopatra. You can Coriol my anus. Sorry. That oh my awful. god. <laughs> <laughs> that one's getting actually, no, that one's I, getting I don't, no that's you've got to leave that in funny. now it's too late now you've got to put <laughs> yeah. it in i control everything damn editing <laughs> um, so okay so, that makes sense that some of them sort of are in the venn diagram middle ground yeah i liked this scene a lot it was lovely it was it's a lovely, lovely little cap yeah. on them and also like again like you say in the middle of the pandemic it's like oh my god do you remember parties yeah <laughs> fucking hell <laughs> do you remember when you could have more than three people in a room and it was okay and it was okay and people were happy 
and talking and eating and drinking and dancing and breathing yeah. without cheap sheets of plastic between them i don't know if the uk has done that but japan still keeps them up even though they don't do shit it's like this is so dumb uh, plastic plastic yeah sheets. plastic everywhere like little oh. little plastic table guards between tables but they're like you know the size of a like a4 piece of paper so i'm like this isn't actually doing anything and like yeah sheets of plastic in the stores guarding the like cashier people i'm just like this isn't doing anything like this is all performance wow. and i'm sick of it i am bored and horny and frustrated what a fun episode i think that um oh well another sidebar but i heard on the news that the pandemic has created a record amount of plastic pollution i know so, as that to look forward to to deal with yep. sorry um, future generations we were trying to <laughs> i feel like the plastic industry was like we can't sell plastic bags anymore and then the pandemic comes along they're like jackpot yes <laughs> <laughs> Protect yourself um, from droplets by wrapping yourself in plastic like Laura Palmer. Yeah, no, and this is the other depressing thing, that very rich people got richer because they bought the companies that provide yep. PPE. Uh, That's how depressing our world wow. is at the moment. Anyway. Just so yes, and then redistribute the fucking wealth. Okay, <laughs> so we're at the party. Um and well, we skipped over the scene with the black soldiers, which uh, yeah, let's talk about. I quite that. liked. Uh, I do love the continued joke of Michael, Michael Jordan, Jordan, and I believe yeah. I can fly, which made me laugh every time. Never not funny. And then we have Henry getting a promotion to sergeant, which is cool. It's a good scene. Yeah, it's a good scene, um, and it's you know only mildly ruined by Higginson. Just because, yeah, just because he is he's an awful he character. Is. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I feel like I, mean, I heard somebody from the Atlantic on a podcast discussing Dickinson the show, and they're like, "Yeah, Higginson, our forebear, is doesn't come across great." He doesn't, and I suspect no. that he's been done some dirty? degree of a little dirty, a little bit. Yeah. But also, it is true that. You know, it's like you said before, like he can just run away and uh, yeah. he does. Yep. <laughs> Basically, he, he's like, he, I need to take a sabbatical from this war. Like, oh, that great. I like, did nothing for. <laughs> yeah, it's like, I'm so glad that you can take a sabbatical from this conflict to end yeah. slavery. Like, that's how lovely of you. Having to... spent the entire season reading Emily's poems and writing letters to her and doing nothing of substance. And now it's Henry's turn. Cool. And then Henry's able to give the letters mm. to Higginson to take back to Betty, which yes. I think was was lovely when she eventually receives them. Oh, is all I can say. spoiler for, for the next episode. Yes, 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 yes. For, for the people listening to this who for some reason haven't watched to the end of the show. <laughs> Um, sorry guys <laughs> i do want to talk about uh lavinia's performance art which is do you know who marina abramovich is no okay she is a serbian performance artist i did have to look her up to find out where she's from but she basically did this um performance piece in 2010 uh where she right. sat at a table and then people were encouraged to like sit across from her and she just like stared at them without saying anything. And I was like, I'm really glad that Lavinia has entered the Marina Abramovich stage of her life, of her performance <laughs> work, where she just stares at a sheep uh, and reflects on death. And I love her being like, there's no perform, there, there's no audience for this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love just yeah MVP of the show is Vinny by far she is she's just hilarious every oh, time oh good yeah um but you know apart from the things we've already discussed yeah. amazingly for the penultimate episode I don't really have 
much more in the way of thoughts to be honest oh, with you like really yeah huh well then let's dive into the poem which is one of the 10 that emily had published in her lifetime as oh. though we're as though we're shocked at all that the show continues to do the research uh and by showing it elena smith but yeah so she's got these are the days when birds come back which was published in drumbeat and i think it's a lovely poem although questionable as far as like the subject matter and where the season is but that's okay so do you have it up yeah i do i, I can try yes i don't feel like i'm gonna do it justice but here we go <laughs> I mean, Haley does do a good job reading this one I'm she sure does indeed yeah oh good okay good what do you mean okay good no, I was just like, maybe he'll not like this too. <laughs> oh no, <laughs> Haley's on screen doing a thing. Will Ben like this or not? <laughs> if if Haley Steinfeld ever listens to this, I would like her to know that I greatly admire her talent um, and that I'm just a sour-faced bitch. <laughs> it's fine. I could never do what she does, as demonstrated no. as I read this poem. <laughs> All right. These are the days when birds come back a very few, a bird or two, to take a backward look. These are the days when skies resume, the old, old sophistries of June, a blue and gold mistake. O oh, fraud that cannot cheat the bee, almost thy plausibility induces my belief. Till ranks of seeds their witness bear, and softly through the altered air hurries a timid leaf. O sacrament of summer days, O last communion in the haze, Permit a child to join, Thy sacred emblems to partake, They consecrated bread to take, And thine immortal wine. Mm, I love this one. Uh, yeah, this is a really beautiful one. Gorgeous. Yeah. And this one sounds a lot more this one kind of reminds me of like a poem by um, Hopkins, maybe, or something like that. It is a break from her usual structure. So. And it's a bit more rhyming. Yes. And this was published in Drumbeat under the title October, which I think makes me love it even more because uh, it was the month I was born in. Uh, <laughs> But it does capture that that feeling of like that in between time of summer ending, autumn beginning, and the feeling of like things changing, but not maybe the old ways are coming back, but not like I don't know. I find it gorgeous. Yeah, and it talks about taking a backward look. Um, yeah. And maybe this is relevant because in the scene where the characters are all gathered mm -hmm. and they're listening to Emily talk about this, they it almost is kind of encouraging the viewer yeah. to think back and look back mm -hmm. to the past few seasons and the other gatherings of these characters. And also, uh, I think that we have this kind of in the poem, O Sacrament of Summer Days, O Last Communion in the Haze, it's kind of the party, the gathering. Yeah, it is. It's like the last party they can have as children. Before they have to face and inherit the world. Yes. Yeah. No, it's, it's and I will say, like, in the actual reading of the poem by Emily, the one that, the reaction that gets me is George's. I think mm. that's where I cried because it was just like George has been so like Sue obviously has believed in Emily's work um, and felt a lot with it but George has also been this constant proponent of Emily's work and yeah right from the beginning he yeah. has always believed that she was a gifted poet and and he and never doubted that his face knowing that he's going to be sent off to war and like this is happening for him i don't know i really love that reaction so no i it's a lovely lovely poem 
Yes, it really is. I think mm. that's one of the one of my that's one of the nicest ones of Emily's that I've seen. I plan on reading this again. Maybe I should have this read on my birthday. I should commission someone to like read this for me. <laughs> <laughs> that's how I want to celebrate you. Preferably, preferably someone. No, not me, because you need preferably someone uh, dressed as the Greek god Apollo with mm. a lyre, wearing then, nothing but a leaf. Yes, and then. <laughs> dot dot I'm just gonna leave that as an ellipsis um <laughs> again so horny uh <laughs> well Emily was horny as well because we we end oh, yeah. this episode with oh yeah who the this, the this gorgeous sex scene it was a little bit cliche though where she I like, don't care where she's like she's like this is better than any poem or whatever this she's like this right here is better than any poem i was like really come on like who wrote that her uh ken greller wrote that writer of the episode <laughs> and she pushes <sighs> sue's head down to her vagina yeah she's like i don't this care. is better than any poem now lick me out <laughs> uh, no wait oh my god wait can i read the poem for that she ends with because, yeah, oh my goodness, the final two lines of this are so horny. All the letters I can write are not fair as this. Syllables of velvet, sentences of plush, depths of ruby, undrained, hid lip for thee. Play it were a hummingbird and just sipped me. That okay, is so about like, cunnilingus. hundred <laughs> percent. But yeah, that is. Ooh. I think we can probably, I think on the basis of that poem alone, we can settle the age-old debate of whether Emily was actually a lesbian or not. We did it. We converted him. Yeah. I mean, come she on, that fucks. poem is she really, fucks. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Like, that's, that's that some Walt Whitman-level crap right there. That shot of, like, Haley Steinfeld's feet over... Ella Hud's back. I was just like, this is very sexy. <laughs> this is very sexy. I yeah, that was a good, that was a solid, good bit of the episode. Yep. Um, and so it was a really weird episode because it was like mm. so like the whole show, it yes. had its ups yes, and yes, downs. Yes. As is Yes, I would prefer that to like perfection. Give me, give me the roller coaster. I want the mess. <laughs> fair. Yeah, very, but very we fair. should uh, save that for our next discussion. Um, I will say, so the episode ends on Taylor Swift's Ivy, which I guess rose out of Dickinson Twitter because somebody made a fan edit set to the song and Elena Smith saw it and thought it was great and yeah. like again I don't engage with social media very much I'm engaging with it even less now um but I Dickinson Twitter never... seems to be pretty cool and yeah that's the result of it is they got Taylor Swift to release the song for this I have never listened to any Taylor Swift what any yeah just no, wow. like as in like I've heard it in the background in like sure, sure, sure. Shops like actively. Yeah, no, I've never listened huh. to any Taylor Swift. I used to not like her at all, and then I quite like her. I'm like, huh? She's good. She knows how to write a song. Taylor Swift, pretty good. Maybe I should give her a go. Yeah, I was like, she's uh evolved considerably, but yeah, I still like her. I feel like for me personally, for folks out there, the Lover album is her best work, even though it's too long and a few of the songs could get cut. I have opinions now about every single Taylor Swift album. Who am <laughs> I? This is madness. Uh, <laughs> just come back to me when you want to talk about Kate Bush and then we'll... Oh my goodness. Oh, Kate Bush. I mean, <laughs> I, I will talk about... I talked about Wuthering Heights recently with someone and they were like... Oh yeah, that that book that you read about that dysfunctional relationship. And I was like, I need you to be more specific. That's all the books I read. 
<laughs> and they're like, the people are dead and there's a song about it. And I was like, Wuthering Heights. <laughs> <laughs> the thing is that the specific thing there is the song more than the people I know. are dead, right? I know. <laughs> I was like, there's a song about this one, Catherine and Heathcliff. <laughs> oh, so good. Um, so how many loaves of bread for this episode? Bread. I, I mean, I experienced all the emotions. I'm just going to give it eight and a half. I liked it. Uh, although, I, yeah, fully on board the, what the fuck is the draft dodging scene other than like we needed resolution? Um, I will give it six and a half. Yep, sounds about right. On the, yep, on the basis that it was a solid episode that resolved a few storylines, um, yep. but occasionally had a feeling of being a bit rushed. Yep, we've got uh, one episode left to go. Oh my God, that's crazy. You know, we mm-hmm. don't really reflect that much mm. on the fact that we've now been doing this for like three years. Oh my God, just um, some part of my finite time on this planet was spent doing this. I feel like though yeah. we have evolved from like internet troll to like um, genuine critic, which is far better than internet troll. So Yeah, because when we started, like to be <laughs> honest, we were just going to make fun of the show, right? We were just going to make fun um, of the show and of Emily and like all of it but we've been converted and so we can yes. say to elena smith yep. that she has in many ways achieved probably mm-hmm. what was one of her goals which was to bring emily to the modern world the modern world and, and, introdu- have, and reintroduce her to us yeah and have people reconsider who she was and i mean maybe i should save this for the next episode but i am very nearly done with the short film that i shot which is super exciting and i honestly don't think i would have done it were it not for this show so I encouraged you and your creativity exactly i don't know if elena smith thinks that's a good thing or not she's like oh no i enabled those monsters to create (laughs) 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 what have i done (laughs) well luckily she won't ever have to deal with me i don't think <laughs> you, you on the other hand could become a real problem i am the water <laughs> rolling downhill you cannot put a flood in a drawer <laughs> uh, no um but no i legitimately am glad that we did this for the show and even though i still have some qualms with like season one and what it was doing i legitimately appreciate a lot of it and yeah we will save a lot of this retrospective for next episode. Mm. Yeah. Well then, everyone, thank you very much for contacting us and listening to this episode of Edicts on Edicts. Um, you can contact us uh, via email at edictsonedicts um, at gmail.com. Yes, uh, we do have a Twitter, but I'm not really checking it. Uh, it is eedicts. I'll get to it someday. I'm horny. Uh, and uh, we're going to now let Kyle get on with his day and I'm going to go to bed. But before I go to bed, I think I'm going to take my copy of the collected poems of Emily Dickinson uh, and maybe just spend a little alone time with Emily. That sounds nice, honestly. And I suggest that anyone run. listening to this mm. give that a go as well. One fun thing that you can do is uh, there is a website where you can have a random Emily Dickinson poem just generated. So I do that sometimes just to find ones (laughs) that the book doesn't always open to. I'm going to do it the old fashioned way and I'm going to throw my book at the wall and then just just find whatever page. See where it opens. Yeah, just see see what happens. I hope it's the Mabel Loomis Todd one. Throw that against <laughs> the wall a few times before you oh, set God, a long I, one. I, I burned that ages ago. <laughs> <laughs> that's I mean, that's ash now. Like now that Russia's closing all the gas pipelines, I guess I have to save my Mabel Loomis Todd editions for for heating. Oh Christ, don't! I think 
Yeah, should I have not put that out into the universe? <laughs> no, I'm just worried. We're, we're just genuinely quite worried about war in Europe at the moment. So <laughs> uh, it's fine. We're worried about war over here too. I mentioned it to a friend and they were just like, really? I thought we were past that. And I was like, what? Where have you been for the past? <laughs> like, what? <laughs> I thought we were done with war. <laughs> no. No. I mean, I hope so. God, I hope we don't go to war. Ugh. Oh, could you imagine you and me drafted? Oh, we would suck so much. Excuse me, I know how to operate a chainsaw. Not at all the same thing. Yeah, but... that's really gonna. I can't even drive. What? Like, I couldn't. E- I don't even know how to drive. I have like... driver's licenses in two countries. Don't compare me I... to you. 